Hey you guys, this is our promo before our main show. I wanted to make you aware that we have an amazing YouTube channel uh, which features some of the great behind the scenes footage from our main podcast as well as some amazing other new content as well that we've got coming up as well with some of our speakers, some of our amazing, I suppose, influencers and, and also sports personalities and Olympic athletes from around the world. It's great because you can sit down with a pen and paper if you're extremely busy, you can make some golden nuggets just from a video. And, and you know what? It's great to connect with someone and see someone face to face by watching the YouTube channel. So listen, guys, go to youtube.com forward slash Adam Strong. Make sure you subscribe to that YouTube. In fact, do me a favor, pause this audio right now, go straight to the YouTube, make sure you subscribe to us and we'll see you there. Take care. Bye. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And I am super pumped about today's guest, really excited about today's guest, because today is a little bit unusual in terms of, um, I suppose, our show. But our guest today has an electric and unusual background. And after 14 years of running one of the nation's top chiropractic clinics, he has become a sought-after corporate entertainer. Uh, he went on to write a best-selling book called Unhypnosis and a series of other critically unclaimed uh, personal growth programs. Uh, he travels around the globe, sharing insight and wisdom uh, about uh, how to live an inspired life whilst entertaining groups uh, in the corporate world, as well as um, entrepreneurs and, and things like that, and also mind reading shows as well. So today we have uh, Dr. Steve Talman, uh, who has hypnotized over 30,000 people in his um, business journey. His fans include sports figures, business leaders, and A-list uh, movie stars as well. He's, he's been seen on national television, been featured in major magazines. He shared the stage with uh, good friends such as Jack Canfield and the late Zig Ziglar. Uh, and today he's going to be sharing some top characteristics, uh, some great insights uh, about how you guys can essentially um, you know, I know that there's a lot of chaos going on in the world, but how you can become a little bit stressed, how you can create inner peace, um, because Steve is your man. So, Steve, I just want to say welcome to the Game Changers Experience show, my friend. I'm so excited to be here, Adam. Really, ever since we got to meet a while back, I've been looking forward to being with you here and sharing a show. So, hi, everybody. Awesome. Really good. And you know what? Uh, it's interesting because I know that we got connected through uh, social media and stuff. and and I don't know about you guys, uh, but when you meet someone for the first time, uh, whether it be face to face or when you speak to someone on the telephone, I always have when you I don't know if you have that feeling of really good gut feeling. And, you know, I don't know about you get these, Steve, but when you when you have a good connection with somebody, right, everything kind of lights up like a like a, a firework display. Do you ever get that? Yeah, it's it's just that kind of quality of connection that always feels so good. You know, I always think that because I teach a lot about, about communication skills and about listening and about being present. Mm. And if you're really present, then, uh, then the connections go deeper, faster. 
and you're a present guy. You're somebody, you know, you listen well, you're attentive. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a pleasure to know you. And so it, it takes away a lot of the layers that other people have to go through before they find out who somebody is. I appreciate that. Really, really appreciate that. So, um, I guess I want to kind of start off the show because I know that your experience originally was in chiropractic medicine, and then you kind of moved into kind of more personal development, mindfulness, but how did you get to that stage from where you are back in the chiropractic medicine, which is very different from what you're currently doing now? What was, uh, I suppose, the kind of journey for you? Yeah, and by the way, it's also somewhat come full circle, but we'll, we'll go through the process. So I, um, I graduated from a chiropractic, uh, prestigious chiropractic college by the name of New York Chiropractic College back in 1982, mm-hmm. many, many moons ago. And uh, at the time, uh, I was, you know, just beginning to launch my new life, my new career. And my, my uh, then wife and I moved up to Vermont and we started a practice, built one of the largest sports medicine practices in the state of Vermont, one of the largest in the country. And uh, we were treating, you know, various kinds of conditions, but a lot of athletes. And in, in doing that athletic work, I also realized that physical is not the whole game. There's physical and there's mental. And then especially in athletics, you know, if you're trying to be a competitor, there's only so far you can get by having a strong and, al- and agile body. You've got to have an agile mind. You've got to be able to focus. You've got to be able to visualize. So I started studying that as well, partly to help my patients and quite frankly, partly to help myself because I grew up with depression, with anxiety, uh, self-esteem issues. So I really needed to, uh, to do my own inner work and I started studying mindfulness. And I was one of the early adopters and I was one of the people who sort of changed the game around the, uh, the, the, the mindfulness principles in terms of how to take mindfulness that a lot of people think of as something that you do in an ashram or, uh, or with your guru elsewhere and bring them into the real world. How do you, what is practical mindfulness? And so for me, I started exploring and studying that. And I also, at some point along that same timeline, decided I wanted to be something else, do something else, try something else. And I ended up selling my chiropractic practice after 14 years. Um, And I didn't know 100% what was next for me, but I did believe in this notion that that if you create a gap, a gap in, in, in the usual way you do things, ultimately come in and fill that gap if you're not to fill it yourself. So you get that leap and the net will appear kind of mentality. You know what I mean, Adam? It's like sometimes you just got and you're you do this all the time, right? You're going to pick up, you're going to go uh, to Cyprus or you know you're going to you're going to change your environment and and not know exactly how it's going to influence the next phase of your life, but you've got to go into it with embracing it, open open with open arms. So I did that and uh, through that I discovered uh, my next incarnation which was which was hypnosis. And I started doing uh, the big stage hypnosis shows that I'm sure you've seen, uh, you know, Paul McKenna there in, in England does, um, and here in the States, Marshall Silver, and now myself. Um, and I was uh, doing that all over the country and outside the country. I was the official hypnotist for MTV Spring Break. Wait. Dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, in, and in doing that, uh, while simultaneously studying personal development and mindfulness, uh, there came a point where the two came together really strongly, and it was a sudden epiphany for me when I was uh, I was doing hypnosis shows in Jamaica for spring break, and I had a subject on stage with me who who I told him, I said, when you wake up, three things are going to happen. 
Mm -hmm. I said, number one, you don't believe you're hypnotized, even though you are. And I said, number two, this is the worst show you've ever seen and you're aggravated with me and you want to leave. I said, number three, there's an invisible wall three feet in front of you. <laughs> so I woke everybody up. I said, how's everybody doing? And this one guy screams, you suck. <laughs> I said, excuse me. He says, the show's terrible. I said, well, leave. And the guy gets up. He takes three steps and he hits the wall. And he starts pushing and pushing and he tries to get through it and he can't. And he finally sits back down and he crosses his arms and he starts to pout. I said, what's the problem? He goes, nothing. I said, are you having fun? He says, no. I said, are you hypnotized? No. Well, then why don't you leave? And he thinks for a minute. He says, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. <laughs> but I realized you see, in that moment, it all became clear to me because that's, that's all of us. Right? We, all, we all have a place we want to go. We have a hope, a dream, a desire, mm. a goal. And we start moving towards it. And then we hit our invisible walls, which are the habitual mental patterns, thoughts, beliefs, and whatnot, fears that keep us from moving on. And we try to use effort like he did. Push harder. Pushing harder doesn't get you there. You've got to eliminate the walls, which means you've got to wake up from the hypnotic trance that you live in, because we all live in a hypnotic trance. We've all been programmed to some extent in our lives. And we need to shed that. And what I've been learning more and more since then is... That's true of everybody, despite the level of success they've achieved, because however far they've gone, they could conceivably go further if they could only remove the next wall or the next wall or the next wall. And so I've, I've made a lifetime, lifelong, stu lifelong study of this, uh, and I've looked at it from the perspective of how do uh, high-level executives function? How do people on frontline, the frontline workers, first responders uh, function? How do Navy SEALs function? And how is it interesting that all of them use the same strategies, call them different things. They're all using very similar strategies. And I started to study those and, and learn them and try to you know, create a system that makes it easy for people to understand this, basically codify it and make it easy to transmit. So I'm a translator into the common domain. Cool. And that's what my work's been about. So between my first book on hypnosis, um, my program on procrastination annihilation, and now Bulletproof, which is what if everything that bugged you, that blocked you or brought you down didn't? Mm -hmm. These are the things that, you know, nowadays, I know that nobody's got anything that they're bugged or blocked about right now, but <laughs> if only we were able to stay balanced and focused on our goals and our outcomes, rather than being thrown off course by politics or viruses or, um, or just general stress and, and anxiety. Mm. It's interesting. You, you were talking about um, uh, where you studied what athletes in terms of blockages and stuff, because obviously, you know, that I used to be an athlete and stuff. So all these things that you were talking about, it's really resonated with me. And it's kind of taking me back. And I'm like, oh, wow, you, you're kind of taking me back to to when I was there type of thing. So you kind of get a really good perspective of where a lot of athletes experience, which is really good. I, I love that. You know, then firsthand that, you know, there comes a point in your career as an athlete where the, the margin between good and great is only in your mind. You've got, you've got the same physical capabilities of your opponent, but how quick is your mind? How agile is it? How quickly can you shift and you know, take in more information? And that's, that's all trainable. You know, yeah. If you understand the methodology, uh, and we've laid the methodology out in a very systematic way for people who want to be more successful, mm -hmm. and quite frankly, not just more successful, but happier, or pain-free. Right now, there are a lot of people suffering from uh, the physical and mental pain uh, associated with the way their minds work. Sure. So, um, 
And here's an, in here's an interesting, uh, quirky question, I suppose, from my perspective. So you claim to be able to identify blockages, uh, or, you know, in people's brains as such, you know, or patterns uh, that can lead to stress, unhappiness or ineffectiveness effectively. Um, what is a mental blockage and how do we become consciously aware of those blockages? That's a great question, Adam. Well, the first thing to recognize is that our blockages are the hardest things for us to see because we're living inside of them. Like a fish lives in the water, it doesn't see the water, right? It's the medium in which we live. We're not separating from reality or from ourselves because it's just become so much a part of us. But if you're depressed all the time, life is depressing. It's not like I have depression or that there is depression that I'm experiencing. It's I am depressed. So, so there's got to come a point where you've got to separate yourself from your experience, from your thoughts, so that you can observe them and, and then potentially change them too, right? Because that's the ultimate goal is to be able to, to, lose their, to, to have those lose their grip on you. So here are a couple of pointers. If you're kind of just beginning the process and you're essentially trying to wake up, I'm trying to wake up. My life isn't working. I don't know why it's not working. Uh, I keep hitting the same walls. I'm frustrated. I'm having the same fights with the same people. I broke up with one girl and now I'm going out with another one and she's turned into the same as the other one. Right? <laughs> we, we all have those experiences, right? So, so how is it that we keep manifesting the same reality? Well, because we're, we're, we're essentially outpicturing our expectations. We, mm -hmm. we get people to kind of play the other role that we've designed our own heads. Mm -hmm. So we are really ultimately responsible for becoming more self-aware. Well, how do you become self-aware? How do you start to notice? Mm -hmm. And the answer is you use your external experience as a signpost to tell you. For example, what bothers you? I would, sit, I would sit you down if you were a client of mine. I'd say, make a list of all the things that aggravate you. Let's look at one of them. I'm always aggravated when people um, don't believe me when I tell them something. That really, really bothers me. Okay, good. Well, that's, that's good. Let's, uh, let's start with that, right? So picture somebody not believing you. Picture what it does inside of you. What thought occurs once that happens? Then what emotion do you feel? Then what thought do you fear? What's your next thought? And we start to dissect the mental process that takes you from being okay to being spun down into a, a place of misery. Mm -hmm. And in that inquiry, in the, in the act of, of looking at your own experience, looking at the things that bother you and how they bother you and what your mind does with that, there's an enormous amount of wisdom in that. Because as you become the, the student versus the victim, or you become the scientist, the your own neuropsychological process, mm -hmm. then it starts to separate itself from you. Right? You start to get a little more backstage to the whole drama, mm -hmm. and then you have power. So the, the easiest answer to your question when you ask how do people identify how they're blocked is by what upsets them. Question. That's, that's, a, that's a great answer, by the way, because I think that we all have what I call them pet peeves. You probably mm -hmm. heard of that before, pet peeves and 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 I suppose it's a, it's a similar thing, isn't it? Aggravation, pet peeves, they're things that really tick you off. Do you know what I mean, Steve? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you, I've got a, when I designed the home that I live in right now, I had somebody come in and they did, you know what they call feng shui, 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Everything is balanced and you know, so certain colors are on certain walls and certain pictures. So there's a part of the house based on what they call the Bagua map, that if you want your home to be balanced based on the feng shui principles, you've got one area. So as people walk in, it's usually the first quadrant of the house on the right side where you have things that represent um, ways in which you are spiritually led. What, what fills you up spiritually? Mm-hmm. You know? Whether it's, in, that might be where you would put religious symbols if you were religious or a picture of the Buddha or whatever it happened to be. And in that corner of my house, I have got a picture of uh, Ram Das, the spiritual teacher who, who's, who's very meaningful to me. And right next to the picture of Ram Das is a picture of, of Jan, the woman who used to work for me, who made my life a living hell. <laughs> I learned more about spirituality from having to deal with her than almost anything else. So we talk about pet peeves. She was my, you know, she wasn't a pet. She was my mon- my pet monster piece. And, and yet I realized somewhere along the line that, you know, that every upset is an opportunity, right? Um, Ken Kai said, you know, I welcome the opportunity even if painful, that my experience offers me to become aware of the things that I need to reprogram, right? Reprogram, I want to reprogram my mind so I'm not automatically affected by this or that because most of us walk around like a, like a, um, what do you call those things? Um, jukebox, right? You know, somebody pushes uh, J9 and you play Merry Christmas. You know, you're the, you're the victim of the buttons that are being pushed. You don't want to be the victim of the buttons. You want to be the you know the author of your own fate. So if somebody pushes your buttons, that's great. Now you know how to kind of rewire your nervous system so that doesn't happen the next time, or the next time, or the next time. It may take a while, but it's a noble it's a noble task. Very cool. Um, now the world is in a pretty chaotic place right now as as we as we're all going through uh, these challenging times. But interestingly enough, why is it that some uh, executives or uh, entrepreneurs in particular, because there are a lot of our audience and business owners, how is it that that some of those people can thrive under pressure and others are just, you know, they back away or they just can't cope? What are the reasons why that happens? Well, that's what I define as bulletproof. That's why my book is called Bulletproof, because mm-hmm. we want to develop the qualities that allow somebody like that to thrive under pressure. You know, there are creatures in the sea that live down at the, the very lowest point of the sea. Like if you and I were down there, we'd be crushed instantly. Yep. So would a bank. But there are arthropods down there that are like giant shrimp that live under pressure that would instantly crush us. So they've developed a certain structure that allows them to experience pressure. And in the same way, we need to learn those same skills. So the people who are thriving during this, first of all, they've got a different perspective on all of this, right? They're just, they're saying, this is not happening to me, this is happening for me. Mm. That's a huge jump, right? Most people, this is, why is this happening to me? Why does everything always bad happen to me? No, it's happening for you. You're just not realizing the gift in it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're always asking yourself, the winners are always asking themselves, what's in it for me? How can I benefit from this experience? Uh, what can I learn from this experience? How can I give to others to help them through this experience? It's like a whole different set of questions. And in, in asking themselves those questions, they then recognize that there are certain qualities that they have that most people don't cultivate, like discipline. Right. We say discipline is freedom. 
if you live a disciplined life, I always tell people, make your bed. Make your bed when you wake up in the morning because how you do anything is how you do everything. So you create this sort of habit pattern of doing things with a certain amount of percept of, of um, uh, you know, kind of impeccability. You become impeccable at everything you do because it creates a structure that you, that you can live inside of. And then you've got to learn uh, the lessons of mindfulness, which is what you know, I've been teaching now for 20 something years. Uh, the lessons of mindfulness are how do you how do you get your mind laser focused on what's happening right now in this moment and everything else is completely irrelevant? Unless it becomes relevant and you need to face it, put it aside. Right. That is it's not our default. Our default is, you know, ooh. You know, we're constantly looking for the next shiny object, but people who are highly successful, people you're talking about who are thriving, laser focus. How do they develop it? Well, they probably do some kind of a practice. So first of all, they're disciplined. So we know that they're capable of practice. And secondly, they've learned certain mental practices. For example, uh, meditation. Yep. How do they meditate? Uh, some of them will just go out for a walk every day and like commune with nature and not let their mind fill up with nonsense but just become right here, right now. Be in the present moment. Wash your dishes as, as, if each, as, if, as if each dish were your cherished child, right? Just complete reverence and focus for each and every moment. And those kinds of little techniques start to add up and your mind starts to function in a different way. And it actually changes your nervous system. We've seen uh, PET scans and uh, MRIs and whatnot that demonstrate that your brain changes, your cortex thickens, when you apply mindfulness principles, and those changes result in things like a better sense of humor, more resourcefulness, um, less reactivity, uh, and, um, and, and also you're more magnetic. People are more drawn to you if you're not like agitated. Good point, some good points. Uh, but does, I guess I wanna challenge that thought process because sure. you mentioned about the fact that uh, some people become laser focused. Now, I, my belief is that there are two types of people. There are left brain people, which you've probably heard of, and there's right brain people. And the right mm -hmm. brain people are kind of the creative, you know, they're the creatives, if you like, and they really struggle for focus and getting really like, you know, very opposite, I suppose, to myself. Do you have any advice for the more right brain creatives? Because they're the ones that really struggle for getting the laser focus and stuff. And, and can it be achieved? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, creative people are very good at focus when they're being creative. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that um, that our focus is, is often given to us or, we're, or, you know, it's a gift to us. So if you're a painter and you get an idea for a painting, I mean, you've seen them, you know, you've seen a painter working day and night on a piece because they're so immersed in it. Mm -hmm. So that sense of absorption into something is the kind of focus I'm talking about. Now, granted, that same person may lack focus in other areas of their lives and may need to develop focus in those other areas of their lives because there are a lot of starving artists, right? That, that uh, joke about what's the difference between a guitarist and a, and a uh, large pizza, the large pizza can feed a family of four. Um, <laughs> So I never we, heard uh, that. <laughs> so if you want to be, be an artist, but you don't want to be a struggling artist, then what you want to do is you want to recognize the qualities of focus that you're using when you're being artistic. Right. 
and then apply those same qualities to things that you don't naturally apply them to. It's absorption, it's immersion. And the immersion that you need, whether you're a left brain person or a right brain person, mm. is the immersion that you get from practice, not so much from grace. Mm. You gotta put some effort in. You gotta do a little sweat labor. Mm. Absolutely. Very good, good point, that. Um, interestingly enough, have you ever heard of the analogy um, that there's, uh, with regards to success, so we're talking about success in general here. Um, and the analogy is, is that there is, uh, there's plenty of space at the top, but it's the bottom that's crowded. And you've probably heard of that before. Firstly, do you believe in that analogy? That's the first thing. And secondly, why is it that the, the, the bottom is always crowded and it's always uh, lots of space at the top? That's a great question. And don't you think that people sort of rise to the level that they expect themselves to or, or believe themselves capable of mm. versus what they deserve? I mean, I think everybody deserves to be at the top. You know, we're all it's our birthright. We could all be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, some people don't. And, and everybody defines success differently. So that there's a lot of tops. Right. I might find that I'm at the top when I've got a, a happy, healthy family and I don't need a very a high paying job, but I found a way to live simply and be within my means. That's a different kind of success. And that's another mountaintop, mm. but everybody should find their mountaintop and everybody should kind of reflect on, on the, the possibility of getting there. And so it's crowded at the bottom because a lot of people, they, they don't allow themselves to believe it's possible. They weren't taught the right lessons growing up. Oh, you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You know, and, and we believe that stuff, those things, become the walls that define our, our lives. We have, to, we have to question that. My favorite quote is, don't believe everything you think. I love it. That's a, that's a great quote. Thanks. That's very good. So um, I know that you are very much into, um, uh, I was gonna say, hypnosis, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, but, you know, I, I, I wanna share my experience with hypnosis. So. I came over to the US about, um, I think it was about two years ago now. And uh, I was basically at a, I was at a retreat and there was a guy there. He was originally from Canada and he proclaimed that he could pretty much hypnotize everyone. Fortunately, I was the guinea pig. I was one of those guinea pigs. And I, I, was, I was hypnotized and I didn't even realize I was hypnotized, of course. And uh, it was just one of those really strange experiences. And once I became unhypnotized as such, they showed me the video and I was just doing all this funky stuff and weird stuff. And I just, I was like, I never knew that could happen to me. But I guess my question is, is what is the benefit of using hypnosis apart from entertainment from a client perspective? When I do it as entertainment, it's really, I call it an ethical bait and switch. Like I'm doing it for entertainment, right? So bait and switch is like you lure somebody in and then you give them some, something of lesser value. Mm -hmm. I do the opposite. I lure them in and then I give them something of greater value. Mm -hmm. So I lure them in with the entertainment because it's fascinating, right? It's just mind boggling to see that people can behave so differently and not even know they're doing it. <laughs> but, but, the, but the real gain is recognizing that what you're allowing yourself to believe is, is controlling your perception of reality. 
And therefore, there is what you'll take, what you'll do. People will get stuck to the chair. They won't be able to remember their own names. They're like all these crazy things. And, and that's all a function of what they're believing in that moment. Now, what we know from hypnosis is that our beliefs live in our subconscious mind. And the subconscious has a different language from the conscious mind. So as a hypnotist, my job is to get under your conscious mind, to speak to your subconscious mind and play with, the, with those, with those uh, beliefs. So what does, that, what does that do for us when, when it comes to real world things versus just entertainment? Well, what if you've been, um, what if you keep hitting that same wall in terms of your success? You, you keep making X number of dollars, you just can't seem to break through that ceiling. Every time you get that far, something goes wrong. You, somehow you sabotage yourself. Um, that's in all likelihood, some kind of an invisible wall that a hypnotist could, um, could take you inside and begin to discover what, what is the pattern that's playing inside of you that's got you stuck, not believing that you can have the results you want in your life. And once we recognize what those are, we can then reprogram those. We then give you a, an alternative way of looking at something. So it's a very powerful tool. And it's a tool for learning, uh, but for accelerated learning. Very good. And also, um... I know that hypnosis can be used for weight loss and, uh, you know, re getting rid of people's kick, kick, kick habiting, uh, smoking habits and things like that. Right. And that kind of stuff. But um, some people might see hypnosis as, as manipulative. I mean, how do you see that? Uh, only if you're only if it's being done against your will, which is almost impossible to do. Um, I, I won't say that it's not possible for people to take advantage of others uh, by manipulating their beliefs because we, we see what's happening right now politically, right? So yeah. we know that it's possible. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, I think what we need to realize is that we're already hypnotized, that we've already been programmed, that hypnosis is a day-to-day -day reality that we all face. In other words, you grew up, uh, at times you were vulnerable to to beliefs that were that were fed to you that aren't necessarily functional, and your whole reality is crafted around those beliefs, and they may not be very good ones. So what a what a hypnotist is there to do is to say, guess what? You're not stuck with those beliefs. You're not stuck with that you know limited version of reality. We're going to help you crack that open and and maybe choose a more functional way of being. So I don't see it as manipulative. I see it as being a tool to help people get out of the manipulativeness of the unconscious hypnosis or even the maybe um, sneaky hypnosis that was done to them by, by people who didn't have their best interest at heart. Yeah, very cool. It's a bit like, I, I, I kind of see hypnosis as a way to repro reprogram uh, a computer in a way. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great analogy, Adam. I use that one a lot. I, I say, you know, it's like your hard drive is, is cluttered up here. We need to we need to clear out some of that hard drive. We've got to re install some better software because you're running a program right now. You see, neurologically, what's happening is that you've carved pathways in your nervous system, right? There are there are these. They say that when nerves fire together, they wire together. Mm -hmm. So if a pattern has emerged inside of you and those same nerves go off again and again and again, eventually the path of least resistance, yeah. right? As soon as this thing happens, then I feel this, then I think that, then I feel this, and then I do that. And it becomes, you know, you ever churn, you ever find yourself sitting around just churning about something and you, and you just can't let it go. Mm -hmm. That's like a nervous pathway. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a carved out path in your brain. 
And what we need to do is we need to carve new paths. We can't immediately get rid of the old ones, but we could carve new paths so that there's an alternative pathway for your thinking. So if you were afraid of bats or dogs or you know whatever, um, if you were to use a hypnotic process, then what would happen is we'd give you a new alternative. So when this thing happens, when you see a dog, rather than you going into fear, now you uh, now you're fascinated, or now it makes you laugh or something else, and you start building that pathway up, and eventually the other one just goes away because you're not using it. Fascinating. Um, I want to go back to something that we were talking about earlier, actually, um, which is about rewiring our brains. Is there a is there a system that you use, whether it be with your clients or 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 in, on a speaking event or whatever it is, that some of our listeners can effectively use uh, to rewire their own brains, um, I guess, because, you know, we're all in different pathways and all live different lives and stuff like that. But is there a particular system or uh, anything that you could, uh, any, any advice on that? Yeah, sure. So uh, my first book is called Unhypnosis, and it's about unhypnotizing yourself, breaking out of the patterns of, of, of your hypnotic thinking. And I, I talk about um, sort of a three-step process. And the first step uh, is um, you, you've got to create what's called, um, uh, well, all of a sudden my brain's going blank on me, but <laughs> basically you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to become receptivity is the word I'm looking for, receptive, right? You've got to make the mind receptive. You make your mind receptive, well, you know, quiet, relaxation, meditation, uh, soft music, um, hypnotic trance, Benedictine monk chants, whatever it happens to be for you, but you've got to make your mind soft and receptive and not guarded. Then the second thing you need to do is you need to uh, take the things that are operating in your against you, all those negative beliefs, and you've got to have some kind of a symbolic way to throw them away. We do this with a lot of people. Imagine um, letting go of the the feeling. So, for example, I'll give you a perfect example. Oh, I wish I could show this to you right now. Uh, I, I found <laughs> video where I, where I took a whole group of, of uh, college students and who were deathly afraid of snakes and I in in uh, something like 30 seconds I made them all love snakes and the video shows this guy coming up on the stage with a five-foot bull, uh, ball python and having them like petting the snake and one girl's kissing the snake <laughs> it's, <very funny. laughs> it's a fascinating process and how it works is the first thing I would do is I you know get you receptive very calm, very quiet. So like a mild hypnotic induction. The second thing I would do is I'd say, I want you to envision a snake. And they'd be like, ah, okay, I envision a snake. Now, what does it feel like? Mm -hmm. And then they would start to kind of interpret what the feelings were in their bodies. So they're taking their attention away from the vision of the snake and they're putting their attention on the feeling, right? So think about this for yourself. Just think of anything you're afraid of. Picture yourself being in the face of the thing you're afraid of and feel the feelings that come of it. Okay, so first I see, uh, you know, I, I, I'm up at a great height and I don't like heights. And I, and I feel this feeling. I say, hey, great. Now stop thinking about heights, but notice what it feels like in your body now. Mm. And then I would say, okay, where in your body do you feel it? And so I have people start to identify very specifically where, where is, you know, where does it feel? Is it, is it heavy? Is it, is it tingly? Like really get very um, dispassionate about your, your experience of it. And then I'll say, now, imagine that that feeling that you're feeling is like a bundle or a package taking up space inside of you. And imagine that bundle getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it's so small that you can throw it away. And then picture yourself throwing it away. 
Adam, this would blow your mind. It's unbelievable how powerful that could be because it's just symbolic, right? Right. But when somebody's in a very receptive state and they symbolically let something go, they simultaneously let it go in their minds. And then we have them replace the fear with fascination. When you awaken in just a moment, you'll realize that whatever you used to be afraid of, now you're fascinated by it. You find it fascinating and curious about it and you kind of enjoy being in its presence. And I wake these people up and they've had these fears for a lifetime and the fear is gone. Mm-hmm. And I've done this thousands of times. So it's a process. And, you know, I mean, if, if you were to read my books, you'd learn a little more about it. Or if you were to work with me, we would specifically find the best way to do it for you. But the bottom line is that we all walk around with, with fears and beliefs that we want to let go of. And the, the answer is you need a system, a methodical system that you can use that will then let that go. Yeah. And so for the people that are you know, listening right now, that's a simple way to do it is just sit down quietly, picture the thing that's bothering you or that, that's triggering you. Step away from the thing that triggered you and start to be introspective about the feeling. Just sit there and be aware of the feeling, try to go into it a little bit. And then try to imagine it as if it were a bundle or a package. Then try to imagine or envision it getting smaller and imagine yourself throwing it away. And then imagine yourself now, as I think about it, I can now begin to experience it in a positive way. The next meeting I go into, I'm going to feel positive and confident. The next phone call I have to make. Some people hate cold calls. <laughs> I love cold calling, right? It's, we, we reinforce our beliefs about things. When I say I hate cold calling, I'm not just describing a past event. I'm predicting a future one. Fascinating. Right? We've got to to stop doing that. We've got to stop volunteering to be in pain for the rest of our lives. Love it. Very cool. Now, I know that you are working on, or you're actually launching something pretty exciting. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Because I know that we were talking about it off air and I've seen a little bit about it and things like that. And I know that you've got, um, uh, you're doing this, uh, I believe in in conjunction with uh, your business partner. Is that correct? So Dr. Tim Warren and I uh, started uh, the a dynamic duo called the Ouch Doctors. And the Ouch Doctors, by the way, the name the Ouch Doctors is thanks to a mutual friend of ours, Eric Swanson. Uh, Eric was uh, visiting with me and Tim and, um, and we were calling ourselves, you know, it's just the pain experts because we're both experts in pain. And he said, oh, you guys are the Ouch Doctors. <laughs> and I said, sounds a little corny. He goes, no, no, do it. It's great. And he was right. I was wrong. And everybody loves it. So the Ouch Doctors. And we, we have a, a, a YouTube show called New Thinking About Old Pain. And over the course of the last couple of months, we've done 30 episodes of this show where we teach different elements of how your brain influences your perception of pain. And we now, as of today, this very, just an hour, two hours ago, launched our brand new uh, online product called Relief Rocket. And it's awesome. Relief Rocket is a, a five module mini course and it's meant to, um, to produce rapid results. So if you've been in chronic pain for a long time and you've been doing everything that everybody does and you've been you know, whining to your friends and feeling like a hypochondriac and you know, staying in bed when you wanna be out doing things and you're not walking the dog and you're taking lots of drugs and they're not making you feel very good, all that stuff can be changed, right? If you understand how to activate the power of your mind. So in this five module program, we're teaching people what I call the rapid relief formula, which is a technique that you walk through in your mind for you know a minute or two that can very quickly reverse the experience of pain. 
And we teach you a little bit about avoiding foods that create inflammation in your joints. We teach you about how to do guided meditations. And we also teach you how to do a little self-hypnosis. So it's a great program and it's you know worth hundreds of dollars, but we're just selling it for $37 for the time being, just to kind of get more people into our world. So if anybody is interested, you just go to The Relief Rocket. So the, T-H-E, reliefrocket.com. Uh, and um, this, this is the time to do it. Like the launch was today. We're still going to hold that pricing for a little while, uh, but it's awesome. And it's a very quick way of noticing and, and finding out for yourself that you have the power to change your perception of pain. And if you can't get rid of pain, then how are you going to get rid of anxiety? And if you can't get rid of anxiety, how are you going to get rid of all the other habits and attitudes that stand in the way of your ultimate success? So we got to start small in order to build big. And uh, like our friend says, start tiny. So she says, dream big, start tiny. <laughs> I love it. Very cool. So guys, listen, um, hope you've been, hope you were enjoying today's episode because it's a little bit different from what we normally do. But, you know, honestly, I, I find our conversation, conversation really fascinating, you know, and getting a bit more, I suppose, getting a more of a broader perspective of how our minds work and, you know, even from a physiological perspective to a psychological perspective, uh, I just find it quite fascinating. And, you know, and you're, you're an extremely credible person. You've got a, an abundance of experience in this field. And I just find that that great. So I just want to say thank you so much for, for being on the, on the show today. I really, really appreciate your time and I hope you've enjoyed it. Oh, this has been great, Adam. Thanks so much. And thanks to everybody who's listening. Definitely. So guys, listen, hope you've enjoyed today. Um, I was going to say, if, you, um, if you're interested in learning more about Steve, please do me a favor, click on his links below and, uh, and check out the, the, the Relief Rocket, right? The Relief Rocket, is it .com? .com. .com. Uh, check that out and, uh, you know, and also reach out to Steve on social media. Just mention the Game Changers experience so he knows where you've come from. And uh, I'm sure that in due kind, he will respond to you, of course. So, guys, hope you've enjoyed today. Uh, I've certainly have. We'll see you up on the, uh, the next Game Changers experience. Take care and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.